Brian Winhurst and the Hoop Collective is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA 23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Thursday afternoon or evening. Oh, that's a little hint. Joining us from New York City is Tim Bontemps. Hello, everybody. And joining us from Dallas, Texas, is Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. Still morning here. It is. It's still morning where I am, too. Uh, but where it's evening is our special guest for this. This was supposed to be our Game 6 preview podcast, but uh, Nikola Jokic got it done with the Nuggets in five games. So over to Belgrade, Serbia. Uh, joining us, Atlanta Hawks guard and proud Serbian, I would have to say, probably mm. for the last week. Bogdan Bogdanovich, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. And hello from Belgrade. So you haven't been in Belgrade long. I know this because I saw you after game four in Miami uh, a few days ago, sitting in the stands with the Jokic family, the Jokic brothers, um, uh, cheering on your countrymen. Uh, uh, Nikola plays on the Serbian national team with you. So what was what has the experience been of watching him have this amazing moment for all of Serbia? It's it's still unreal and still uh, it, it, it's unbelievable, you know. That uh, not just following I'm not just uh, following him since we were teammates. I know him uh, since his almost beginnings, you know. And um, I met him with uh, one our mutual friend uh, at friend's apartment and we were playing Sony PlayStation and chilling and he just showed up and he was so quiet um, you know and you know we, we we didn't even think that that guy will be NBA champion um, you know a few years later very few years la- later but it, it was amazing to be there you know to see how you know the real process and real support from his family and the, the whole team, the, it, it was good to see the vibes and, you know, where they at uh, mentally, you know, everyone, not just uh, players on the court, but the, the as you said, brothers and, um, and family and um, also other, other players' family. They're, they're, it looked like they were all together in it and it looks, it, it's very, very beautiful picture, you know, for, for, uh, for, for sports. What I know you've only been back to Belgrade for a few hours, but um, what's the vibe? Novak Djokovic just became the all-time leader in the when he just won the French Open. So he the the Serbian stands at the top of the all-time tennis uh, with the most singles, Grand Slams, and then Jokic f- Finals MVP. You know I know how important sport is in Serbia. What's it like there right now? Yeah, I was about to say you know how important the sport is in Serbia and. Uh, uh, some sometimes uh, it's a little bit too much, but uh, now it's really beautiful. And um, you know, uh, our 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 people are are very beautiful people, and uh, they follow sports with passion. Uh, so sometimes when you lose, you know that they take that responsibility like they lost, and then they criticize you. <laughs> you know and what should you fix and they giving you advice and all of that but also when you win you know they 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 just cheer for you like nobody else um and it was beautiful to you know what are the chances for two serbian people to 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 go out and be able to represent the country that way and and to be in the same moment of you know i, I don't know it's, it's still surreal and unbelievable really what happened a couple of days ago, you know, Sunday, Novak win, and then Monday, another Joker wins. So it, it, it was unbelievable. And you can see uh, the happiness a little bit in the people and, and proudness and respect. I feel like everybody, especially the basketball fans in Serbia, they were waiting for that moment uh, for years. You know, uh, when I came to Sacramento, um, I, I, I mean, I was telling everyone they don't even know how Sacramento is popular in Serbia because of Vlade and Peja. Right. And everybody was waking up and watching these games and they were so into it. And, you know, to wait 20, 20 years, uh, around 20 years and, you know, to believe in a guy like Nikola and 
you know, during the tough times as well, you know, they were there to support him. And it's just a beautiful picture. When you first played against him, what did you think he could become? Like, because you were a very highly regarded, you know, your first round draft pick, you were very highly regarded as a teenager. You played for Partizan, I think when you were 18, uh, Partizan and, and Red Star being the two just big time right. rivals. Uh, yeah. Like you were a pretty well-known guy, but was he well-known? And what did you think when you first played with him? Like everybody else, honestly, like good, uh, good shooter. Like he can shoot and he's tall and he can pass. That was like what everybody saw from him at the beginning, you know, and he can pass. Actually, passing was first, but he's tall and he can shoot and he has a nice touch. Let's see what he can do. But the way he's taking control of, of the game and being so quiet, he's showing you by example. You know, really, like how you should be playing the game, um, and every move, every single second on the floor, he is thinking. You know, he's he developed that game. Now, you know, now he's on another level. But even then, he was really working. All these minutes where he plays, like twenty minutes, he really plays twenty. You know, he's not for five minutes like out of his game, and he doesn't want to play, or you know, he's into himself, ego, or some stuff. He was never like that. He was always 100% into the game every single minute. Uh, and that was the difference that I could, you know, see. Uh, but also he opened the path, you know, for a lot of different guys here and, and from Europe. Because trend was, you know, you have to play uh, like for big teams, big clubs to show to, that you are uh, that type of player, blah, blah, blah. You know, but with, with uh, I, I like to say with the luck in his career, you know, he, he didn't play for Partizan on the Red Star at the beginning. And he didn't need to, you know, win at, at the early stage of his career, uh, which is sometimes harder for, you know, players at the beginning. And um, he went different way and he ended up uh, somewhere that he wasn't imaginable. You know, you cannot even imagine back then that he will be in NBA. I don't even think he was thinking about it back then. Well, he was asleep when he got drafted. He was asleep. He had a promise from the Nuggets and he went to bed. Right? Like that's that's the true story. story. That's the true story. And, you know, um, it's kind of disconnected world, you know, NBA and and Serbia, you know, until you have Jokic in NBA, you know. When did you first start thinking that, you know, not he's not just a tall guy who can pass with nice touch. When did you start thinking like this guy's got a chance to be an NBA superstar type of player? NBA superstar. Uh, when I saw him in NBA, uh, when I played against him in NBA. But before that, I don't even think he was thinking about it because, you know, obviously he didn't even follow, you know, what was going on in, in EuroLeague, in NBA and around him. You know, he was just, okay, let me finish my job. Like he said, after mm -hmm. I, uh, we are always waiting for us in, in Serbia. Now we are always waiting for his comments after the game now and what he's going to say. And I know he doesn't like it. So and, are we. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I feel like he is pretty interesting guy right now to everyone. But we knew this before. We knew like he always had this uh, funny quotes and funny comments after the game. Well, it, yeah. it's sort of been an interesting thing with him to your point that people don't really know a lot about him because he hasn't really let him in a lot of the time, right? He is kind of a quiet yeah. guy, kind of a private guy. But part of that is also led people to say things like, oh, yeah, he's not worried about accomplishments. He's not worried about stats. But then you see him make comments like he did to Malika Andrews after game five when he said, well, they just didn't believe in the fat guy. And yeah. I think it's kind of proof that he's got a lot more competitive fire in him than I think people tend to believe is that is that how you see it that he actually does really pay attention to what's going on and what people are thinking and wanting to prove people I wrong feel, I I feel like he's not he's not saying nothing that he doesn't believe in you know and he really believes in that and I know it sounds uh, weird but and and like how he does he do it and you know um but I feel like NBA is a stage of, uh, you know, freedom for players. And that's where they can fulfill their talents. I believe if he was in Europe and he was talking like that, I don't think he will be as accepted, you know. <laughs> but he also, 
you know, he don't talk like this since the beginning. You know, that's he's just thinking like that. He was thinking uh, about it at the beginning, and then nobody even uh, didn't even talk to him at the beginning because he didn't want it, and they were like, okay, we don't need to, you know. But right. now when he's like MVP and and all these awards, and you know, now everyone wants to talk to him, and now he doesn't want it. I, 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 I like it. I mean, that's cool. That's cool, and I think he's he's right about it. And um, just another uh, another guy in in the league with his stuff. That's how. Yeah, I, I mean, like he, so you're from Belgrade. He's from Sombor, which is yes. is that the country? Like, what what do people from Belgrade? No, think it's about another city. Sombor. It's another city in Serbia. It's up north, a uh, couple hours drive from Belgrade. Yeah, every city thinks they are the best city in Serbia. So yeah. that's that's normal. Everywhere you go to play some basketball, you know, everyone says, no, you didn't go to Novi Sad. No, you didn't go right. to Belgrade streets or, you know, this and that. So that's normal. But uh, yeah, Sombra, it's different culture. It's like our north. Uh, it's part of our north, Serbia, Vojvodina. And they, they, they're, they're, they're all like that a little bit kind of, slow and lazy but uh, <laughs> but yeah that's a culture thing that's from north 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 of serbia but uh, they are very funny people they have jokes so that's, that's why he's that, also funny that's the thing people my my friends from serbia tell me like you know here comes this kid from sombor obviously you know sort of dumpy looking and he's like well who is this guy like, like people looked at him that way in the nba but people looked at him that way in serbia too when he first showed yeah, up yeah, like yeah. that's a lot of people felt that way yeah um, that's true so you also we had another serbian do something big in the nba this week um darko rajakovic i'm saying am i saying that right yes Darko uh, uh he <laughs> became the new head coach of the toronto raptors you played for darko on the serbian national team he was one of the assistant coaches what should we know about him? And obviously this is big. I think the second Serbian head coach, the other being Igor Kokoskov, who is um, now going to be on your coaching staff in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, what should we know about Darko? What do you know about him? I know he can make a pretty good coffee. That's what I know about Darko. <laughs> and he's going That's to important. bring coffee machine over there for sure. But yeah, we talked about it. I mean, I'm happy for him. He deserved it. You know, it's hard. Uh, people don't understand how hard is it to leave your country, your family, your loved ones to pursue your goals, you know, and dreams in life. And coaches, all of the coaches, they have that. They're like players, you know, they have that drive, basketball drive. And who are really into the coaching, you can see like he wants to be the head coach and he's willing to do anything to, uh, you know, he really wants to do it his way. And I'm really proud of Darko because I know how hard is it to build the name and to get a chance to be a head coach. And he knows basketball. You know, you, you can see that with, with results with Memphis and uh, Oklahoma before that. And, you know, uh, very experienced, very into it. And uh, the most important thing, he's motivated. I think without motivation, there is nothing, um, nothing else more powerful. You know, so I think he is really motivated about it. And, you know, from few first few words that I uh, chat with him. So when you over this last two months, were you kind of surprised that all these teams were having trouble with the heat since you guys with the Hawks just came in there in the play in tournament, <laughs> beat them by 11 points on their home court? I think you had 14 points in that game. We're like, what's the problem yeah. here? Why, why is everybody having so much trouble with the heat? You guys had no problems with them. I, I think we had the problems during the regular season. <laughs> so we, they were beating, they were beating us physically, and then we were really like, "Oh, we're gonna play Miami again. Let's let's fight," you know. And then we we really approached that game differently, and um, you know, it's a one game, one game doesn't decide anything in playoffs, but it's really important. Every game is important. Uh, that playing game it, it brings a different, uh, different, different mindset, mindsets, and uh, different. It's different. You know, different pressure. It's just one game, and you also, when you're playing that seven-eight seed, you you are not getting eliminated. So you have another chance. You have that all these like things in you know in your head. I don't know. I think because they beat us in the regular season, I think we there was our just reaction from it, yeah. and they thought it's going to be easy. So basketball is a lot of a lot you know psychology game and how you you know how how is your first punch looking basically. You mentioned with uh, with Nikola Jokic, reserved, quiet. You, you said even shy when you first met him. 
Uh, mm -hmm. That's not the impression I get of his brothers. <laughs> what uh, you, you you watched the game with him in Miami, sat with him. What are those guys like during a game, especially during a finals game? They are so into the game, and they're they're you know every possession, they're you know every basket, they they cheer for every guy, you know, and they're really true support, and they're really what what brother means. They're really like that like they're really real brothers to 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 nicola like they're sometimes even like too protective to him but always for his good you know so i know i've been talking with uh with the middle one nemanja mostly but you know they're all basically following his career and, and supporting him and uh being around him uh it's also tough for the family to do that and to thrive to to do it and to stay good you know it's it's easy to start to be good but to stay good during the whole time and to be that supportive and, and helpful it means it means a lot because i know i have a sister too that she does the same same job for me and uh, i think it, it gets a lot uh without with our culture were now people trash talking them bit. that's what i was gonna say <laughs> were people trash talking them during that game they have rave enough to trash talk them during that game yes but they they always react and the serbian way and it ends the serbian way <laughs> like you know <laughs> you raise the hand uh, uh you'll see later when we win or something like that some bad words and <laughs> it's, it's okay <laughs> you have a good day <laughs> Well, let's talk a little about the Hawks. Uh, you had, first off, congratulations. You signed a terrific uh, four-year contract extension in March. You had a very good playoff series against the uh, Celtics. Shot the ball really well, even though you guys lost in five games. A very unusual season last year where you had a coaching, a full coaching change mid-season where not just an interim coach, but the brand new head coach, Quinn Snyder, comes in. That had to be interesting. I don't know if you've experienced something like that before. W what's your impressions of Coach Snyder the first few months you've been working with him? I, I know coach since uh, Utah days. We played a lot against Kings and when I was playing for Kings. I mean, his career tells everything about what you need to know about him and his dedication for the game. He is definitely one of the most experienced coaches in the league. And what I like about him, he's really demanding, high detail guy and really knows how to coach his players. We are all, you know, tough to handle uh, for moments and moments, but he always finds a way to talk and to tell you what is your role and job. And it's hard to get that, that picture together, you know, and that's what the, 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 the coaching job is. But sometimes, you know, a lot of things happen and it doesn't go your way. But I'm happy with the, that little progress that we have at the end, towards the end of the season. It's hard to change anything, and it was hard to even believe that we are going to win a championship with that problems that we have, you know, changing all different stuff. So it wasn't real, I will say. Uh, but I think we are in good position for future, you know, and yeah, we know that he signed a um, five-year deal, right? So he's, he's going to be here for a long time. What do you, you guys obviously just a couple of years ago, Bogdan, were in the conference finals, went really deep in the series with Milwaukee. So you guys have made it deep in the playoffs, beat the Sixers during that run, beat the Knicks. What do you think you guys need to do as a group to get back to that kind of level next season and beyond? He has to do a lot with, you know, accepting your role and being into your role and, you know, just keep on working. A lot of guys, we all work. You know, we're all putting in work every single day and we are all competitive and we're that, that's the team that really it's, it's full of uh, the guys. They like to work, you know, so that's not an issue. I, I believe that the, the, the coach will, um, you know, do, do his job and, and set the roles uh, for, for the players and and be there uh, for us and, and try to put, put us in the best, you know, positions that is possibly the best the best spots on the floor, you know, that we can contribute and be most successful. You know, that's that's also uh, most important. And, you know, a little bit of luck, as always. Oh, I want to ask you about uh, another one of your Balkan buddies, a, a former Hawks draft pick, actually, uh, talking about Luka Doncic. I know you – He, I know he's got a ton of respect for you from – the Slovenian uh, national team played against Serbia when he was 17 years old in Eurobasket, right? I see you guys always talking when you when you play. How have you seen him evolve from that 17-year-old kid playing for the Slovenian national team to 
you know, now where he's an NBA superstar who's got a lot of uh, weight and, and, and pressure on his shoulders. He's been unbelievable since day one, you know, that he touched the ball. It's just some unique talent and unbelievable talent. Um, you know, I believe that every player had the coaches in career that, you know, that you learn from them and all that. For him, I don't know who taught him all of this, but since day one, I see him, you know, passing, making right plays. It's just the pure talent, you know. I even remember one uh, one of my fans when he was like 13 or 14 and I was uh, just started just started to play, they sent me his videos and they were like, mm -hmm. man, this guy is going to be like next you, they were telling me back then. And I didn't pay attention that much, but then when I saw him playing first game for Real Madrid and the way he played the first game, it was... Uh, I was like, this guy is going to be even better because his first game was way better than mine. And I was 18 and he's 16, you know? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, this guy is unbelievable. Yeah, he is. Uh, he is. And the things he's doing is just, it's crazy how everyone thinks it's easy, you know, because he makes it look so easy. Well, Bogdan, thank you so much for your time. I know you just got back home and good luck later this summer with the Serbian national team in the World Cup. I know you guys got to try to drag Nikola away from the horse track <laughs> to get him to Manila to play. You guys have a great chance to win. Hopefully, man. Um, whatever you got to do to get him there. We'd love to see him go for a World Cup and an NBA championship in the same year. Yeah, so. I might need to learn how to, you know, treat the horses nice. <laughs> <laughs> What's the horse racing situation in the Philippines? Yeah. But, uh, uh, okay, thanks so much for your time. Good luck, and we'll see you down the road. All right, thank you. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Baseball is back. Get your ballpark on with tickets from Vivid Seats or enjoy hockey and baseball in all their glory with courtside seats. Whoever you're rooting for, there's nothing like the thrill of seeing your favorite team live. Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. They call it running a business for a reason, because every day feels like a sprint to the finish. It takes a lot of work to make it all work. But with Clover and Merchant One, you're always a step ahead. Now is the perfect time to upgrade your point of sale technology. We make it easy to accept payments, run your entire business, and sell more. Clover plus Merchant One. Better business solutions. Go to clover.com slash M1 to get started. Well, thanks to Bogdan Bogdanovich for taking some time out. He was really excited about his uh, fellow countrymen winning that championship. Uh, he, I'm sure, hopes that someday it's uh, it's going to be his turn. Mm -hmm. So a lot going on in the NBA. We got a hard pivot here to the offseason because it's uh, boiling. So uh, Adrian Wojnarowski had the story that came out on Wednesday that if the Wizards decide to do a rebuild, let's be honest, the Wizards are probably going to be doing a rebuild. <laughs> I mean, they may not call it a rebuild. They may retool a retooling, but they had the 10th highest payroll in the league last year and they missed the play in. And um, you know, they're sitting there with Kuzma, uh, Kyle Kuzma and Chris Porzingis uh, with free agents. Uh, I, I don't know what they're going to do there. Um, but I, I think they're going to really look hard at trading Bradley Beal. Woj had that story that, mm -hmm. um, that Mark Bartlestein, who's um, uh, Beal's agent, is going to look at it. That's the way it has to be because Beal has a no trade clause. And as I've been saying on TV for a few days here, um, well, first off, when last season, it, you know, there was this thought in the 2022 trade deadline, there was this thought that maybe Bradley Beal, who was going to be a free agent, might be available. Uh, mm -hmm. And then it became clear that he was not going to be available because the Wizards had basically decided they were going to give him the max. Um, and that's what Beal wanted. And sure enough, we get to the summer. Beal opts out of his contract to become a free agent and immediately signs a five-year, $250 million new uh, maximum level contract. Um, I don't think it was a no-brainer to give uh, to pay Bradley Beal, who is a three-time all-star that much money. Right. But the only way they were going to keep him in Washington was by committing to that. That I understood. Then ooh, ooh, a day ooh. or two later, the other shoe dropped, which is that as part of that deal, which again, not a no brainer in my opinion to pay him the full two fifty. Right. They obviously came to the decision over the course of discussing it for a while, that that 
contract had a no trade clause in it. Which, which is, is just, just insane. The only one I'm in sorry. the NBA. Yeah, and it's like, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but what was the difference between the max they could give him and what he could get on the market? The answer like is a had lot. to throw uh, yeah, like dozens and dozens and dozens of millions of dollars. So you had to throw a no trade clause to get him to take the deal? No. Like that's the kind of deal that gets a GM fired. That's what's happened. <laughs> what what happened? Um, you know, Michael Wayne. It's the kind of now. deal that gets the agent hired. So Mark Bartlestein. Boy, I mean, it is a phenomenal deal by Mark Bartlestein. Now, you know, Michael Winger's running that along with uh with Will Dawkins, who he, he brought in from Oklahoma City. And look, the Wizards, if we're being honest, they should have traded Bradley Beal a while ago. This rebuild is long overdue. They've been stuck in purgatory and mediocrity for for years now. And so it's long overdue. The problem is because of the contract and especially that no trade clause, Wendy, as you pointed out uh, on TV, getting significant value or, or, you know, you could say fair value for Bradley Beal is going to be extremely difficult when he can veto anything and basically say, I want to go here. And nope, I don't want I don't want them to give up that much to get me. Well, let's set aside the contract for a second. And let's set aside the no trade clause for a second. I think there's a big difference between what people like generally think of Bradley Beal, the player, mm-hmm. and what he is at this point, especially after playing a combined 90 games the past two seasons. I went through and made a list last night of guys I would definitely take in the league over Bradley Beal. I got the 36 guys, and that was without adding without any sort of like debate over maybe this guy or maybe that guy, like he might not be right now, a top 50 player in the league. So, or he's a a top 50 player. Well, I I mean, let's let's not get crazy. Listen, I can go through the list if you want. Like I don't numbers add. well, well, there you go. The numbers (laughs) add up pretty fast. Yeah. So the point is you're not only talking about a guy who's owed $200 million that has a new trade clause that's played 90 games the past two years. Right. You're talking about a guy that I'm not sure is a top 25 or 30 player right now. Now he could come back next year if he gets traded or just in Washington and play 75 games and score 28 or 30 again mm-hmm. and look great. Like he could bounce back, but we're not talking about a guy. We're not talking about Damian Lillard here. Right. Right. So you have a player who's seen some shine come off him on top of the contract on top of the no trade clause. And yeah, like if you look at where this is going to go, the Wizards are not operating from a huge position of strength here, to what's, put it mildly. What's negative strength? So yeah. right. there's two issues with the no trade clause, just to be clear. One is the fact that obviously he can veto any trade, okay? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it means that he can decide where he's traded and what he's traded for. Those are two key. The other thing is the team that acquires him, the no trade clause travels. It's not a one and done. The no trade clause travels. So when you're trading for a guy who's 30 years old, he's going to turn 30 at the end of this month, you're you're a little bit worried about where the contract will be in two years or mm. so. And because it's going to be over $50 million a year. And if you're if you don't like the fit and want to retrade him, now you got the problem, you inherit the same problem. Right. Is that you know he gets to control it if he doesn't want to go or if he doesn't want to go for a certain package. Yep. So that's why the value, I mean, like I do think Bradley Beal as a player can help a contending team sure. at a significant level. No question. Um, I just think that in all honesty, the Wizards getting off of this contract might be the asset that they get in a deal. Well, this, right. also, this is, all, go ahead. I was going to say also, when you evaluate, should a trade happen, which certainly sounds like it will. When you evaluate the return, you have to consider, hey, this is a trade that is launching a rebuild. So the Wizards pick next year is essentially part of the trade return. That pick is top 12 protected, then top 10, then top eight. So if the Wizards are landing in the top five of the draft next year, that's essentially part of the return of the trade. Well, Very and, well what said. I, and what I was going to say was after, you know, I was talking to Bobby Marks about this yesterday and went back to when I started covering the league and Bobby's with the Nets. This is essentially when Danny Ferry took over the Atlanta Hawks and traded Joe Johnson to Brooklyn. And in that deal, the Hawks got all expiring contracts. Mm-hmm. They got one first round pick and they got one swap. 
for Joe Johnson, who had made a couple, made several all-star teams at that point, made some couple more with the Nets and was on a very long-term deal without a no People were stunned at it. the trade. People were stunned that, that, that Danny Ferry would trade their best player basically for expiring contracts when he got there. And, and, and again, I think the, the idea that a pick and a swap was seen as a good return in a situation where you're again, talking about a guy with out a no trade clause, I think underscores what the expectation should be. If a deal happens here, this is not going to be, as you said yesterday, like the Donovan Mitchell trade or like the Rudy Gobert trade or like these other trades where you've seen picks flying around or like if Damian Lillard potentially gets traded, all those situations are far different than the one this one looks at. And the other thing that matters with this too is you've got Kyle Kuzma and Chris Tasporzingis sitting there with player options for this summer. Two of the more interesting free agents on the market. Porzingis under the radar had a really, really good season, I mm-hmm. thought, for Washington this year. Kuzma's played well for the Wizards. He's a wing player in a league where everybody's looking for wings. So those are a couple other pivot points here, too, if you're Michael Winger and Will Dawkins. I the think Wizards. they should be Where are you going them. with those guys? I why, think they why? should resign them. Why? If, if if they are hitting reset, if they're looking to trade Beal, if we're talking about a full-fledged rebuild, why re-sign veterans? Here's who could why. Be the diff- okay. Well, first off, it, it depends on, you have to get a contract that you can trade. You know, you're, you're signing them to maintain them as assets. And the other thing is you're compelled to spend. The new rules require you what is it, Bontemps? You're on top of this. You, get, they have, you, have, you have to, to have 90, them. you have to spend up to, I believe, 90% of the, I think you have to spend up to 90% of the cap by the, the first day of the regular season. Yeah. So you got to spend the your money on something. days supporting your set cap space, like the Spurs and the Pacers and teams coming into this season did, are over. Can't do that. Yeah. So first off, there's not a ton of cap space out there in general. Right. So you're, you're obviously, Kuzma is going to be in demand. He may not want to stay. But if you can re-sign them, you may want to do so. Or so you can or do sign and trades either way, sign right? Yeah. Work with them, work with them to get assets back or keep them and be able to have the option to turn them into assets later for sure. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, so, let's talk about where Beal could end up. Hold on, I do just want to um, real quick say yeah. obviously Kuzma at 13 million, he'll he will get more than that. That that's his player option. That's right. Porzingis at 36 is going to be interesting. I don't think it's a no-brainer for him to opt out. Now that there's been a change in, in regime in Washington and there's not like a, you know, the guarantee of another deal coming there. So it would, that'll be interesting. Fair to see. Point. It would feel like if he opts out, he's got a pretty good idea that he's getting a long-term deal either there or somewhere right. else. Right. Cause to your point, that's one of those, the, the Kuzma one's obvious. He's going to get more mm-hmm. money. Like you right. said, well, Porzingis, he could also it's, it's opt in and ex- he could also opt in and extend off that deal. Right, but you, you probably the good chance you probably hear about that at the same time. That's why his mm-hmm. option, to Tim's point, his option decision is a very mm-hmm. interesting one to monitor because if he does opt out, you probably would assume he's got something lined up once we get to June 30th. Yeah, okay, let's talk about where Beal could end up. So instantaneously, I've been speaking and writing about for a couple of weeks now about how I think the Heat are in play. Mm-hmm. The reason that I think the Heat are going are, are, are going to go now is that Number one, uh, with where Jimmy Butler is in his career, um, your window with this core is is narrowing. Two, um, the Heat have they have a little bit of flexibility because Bam Adebayo is on this the quote unquote fun max. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very hard for a team that's going to be able to swallow three big contracts under the new rules, but they have a little bit of a window while Adebayo is still on that contract where they could take this. And the thing about the heat is that they routinely over the decades have been able to um, develop low dollar players. So if there's a team that's going to be top heavy salary wise, it's going to be the heat. Now they have Kyle Lowry sitting there at $30 million uh, on the last year of his contract. They would love to figure out a way to get off of that. Um, uh, So they're, they're facing a little bit of a crunch, but I think, for a two to three year window, <clears throat> I think they could squeeze Beal. Um, and also, well, they, also th- they also signed Tyler Hero last fall, so they'd be able to move him starting July first, which right. is yeah, a they, factor. Also, and, and his number next year is twenty seven million. So Hero and Duncan Robinson would be the two guys that I would think would be the players swapped in such mm-hmm. a trade. 
I would ask for Caleb Martin if I were the Wizards. But again, Bradley Beal gets to decide whether Caleb Martin would be in that deal, quite frankly. Um, uh, and the Heat would be very thin at power. Uh, Caleb Martin isn't a classic power forward. The Heat don't have a classic power forward. That's part of the issue. Um, they play Caleb trading Martin him would make him very small, though. They're already small to make him even smaller. Right. Right. So, um, but, you know, that's the thing. Like, if you're a Wizards fan, I'm sorry to tell you this. Like, you pretty much have to, have to put the trade machine down. Yeah. You can do it for fun, but it's just, it's not going to be enjoyable for you. Well, here's um, the real question <laughs> Who is the other team besides Miami that makes sense? So, set aside where he would want to go. Just who makes sense? Okay. So, Milwaukee has been linked to him, but I don't mm-hmm. see how they do it. No. It doesn't make sense. Again, is Chris Middle, if Chris, if well, let's just pretend, right? This is all pretend. Disclaimers here. The right. only way that really makes sense is if, say, Chris Middleton opts in and he's in a deal to Washington. Why well, does that make any sense it, for Washington? Right. Then you're talking about you got to get a third team involved That's because right. if you're rebuilding, why do you want, you know. And what uh, does Brian say about three team trades? Zero team <laughs> trades. <laughs> Zero team. So trades. obviously they happen, but we're talking about a three team potential sign and trade. Eesh, that's tough. I mean, it seems I, extremely I, unlikely. I know that Giannis has, you know, had a love. The idea of Bradley, Bradley Beal has appealed to Giannis in the past. I think if you're Bradley Beal, you look at the opportunity to go to Milwaukee. You'd love that opportunity, but I don't see how it, how it, you know, how, how it structurally happens. Uh, with what the Bucks already have on their roster and their commitments, it'd be a very difficult okay. thing to pull off. Hey, the Mavs would love to get Chris Middleton. Can can uh, they interest the Wizards in taking back Dallas Bertans? <laughs> no, they cannot. <laughs> um, no, they cannot. Uh, so look, uh, there's smart people here. Let me tell you who's one of the smartest guys I've ever met. I've known Michael Winger for 18 years. The man is extremely shrewd. He also holds his cards very close to the vest. He has thought about this a lot. Trust me. Um, he also, <clears throat> I remember when he got hired as the general manager of the Clippers, he came from the Oklahoma city thunder. He got hired late in the summer after the, um, after the uh, Clippers had signed Blake Griffin for that five-year deal. And one of the things that he said when he got there, the job was like, we got to get rid of Blake Griffin. And I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. just him, um, you know, and at the end of the day, Lawrence Frank was a part of that decision and Steve Ballmer was a part of the decision. But within six months of Michael Winger getting to the Clippers, he had negotiated the deal that brought uh, Tobias Harris was the central part of that. And that wasn't a rebuild trade. That was like a two-step trade. They were going to make two steps, but that's what this mm-hmm. deal trade is going to be. I think they're going to, if they trade for Hero and Robinson, as an example, I'm not sure that those guys are going to be wizards for five years. But those they, are guys be, they can play and put up numbers and turn around for more stuff later, much like this old boss. Sam without Presti no did trade clauses times. in their contracts. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm just spitballing here. I don't know if there's interest on either side, but a team that I think could make a reasonable offer and, and still remain extremely competitive would be the Knicks. You know, obviously that's a team that's got a ton of picks moving forward, including that protected pick uh, that the Wizards owe is actually it's bounced around, but it's it's the Knicks' property uh, at this point. Um, you know they they can make salaries match. Like if though if the sides were motivated, I think there could be a deal to be made there. I think the challenge with the Knicks is is Bradley Beal the guy you want to get aggressive for. Now the thing about this is is that again this isn't trade three four first round picks. The price of Bradley Beal, if he wants to go to your team, could be the big factor here. The Knicks could potentially make a Bradley Beal trade and right. not dramatically harm their asset base that if they want to go out and make a bigger or one. or basically harm it at all. Yeah, that 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 that's what I'm thinking is because the Wizards would be motivated to move off Beal's contract and enter a rebuild, that there might be a you know, what would be considered a low cost trade to be made there for the Knicks, where they're still, they're still, they would still have, well, they still have to send some significant salary back. Right. They could do do Evan Fournier and then 
make Derrick Rose's deal guaranteed and do him and then throw in one other salary and it could basically work. I mean, there are ways they could do it for a fairly low asset price, but you're also then talking about a team that has designs on, you know, like you said, making a lot of moves down the road. Then Mm -hmm. you're talking about, even if Bradley Beal is really good, there's a gigantic number on your books going forward. You have to navigate around. That's right. Right. Like what if player X who happens to be a, all NBA player becomes available in six months and you right. want to trade Bradley Beal for him. Bradley Beal's like, well, I don't want to, mm-hmm. tr- I don't want to go to city. Right. Why? Um, but it's a good point though, McMahon, because about the draft pick that the Knicks own, I did not actually know that you educated me. Thank you. Yeah. That um, thing has gone from Washington to Houston in the wall rust trade to Oklahoma city when Houston got Shingoon. And then last year, the draft, trade at the draft right, yeah. to New York. So, so that, the reason that's, that's important around. is because, is because it's got so many years of protection, it really encumbers the Wizards from operating with their draft picks. I don't think they're entering a phase where they want to trade their picks, but they don't have access to all their picks because it's got this protection over so many years. Getting their pick back mm-hmm. is pretty attractive. Although if you're the Knicks, you're like, well, you're entering a rebuild? Uh, we're actually going to hold on to that pick. Thank yeah, you. No, it's, 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 it's 12, 10, 8. I would say of the Knicks picks, I don't know where the, you would rank that one in terms of value. I'd say it's probably the worst one. Well, you know, other than their own picks. I was going to say their own picks. I, I, You never say never, but. Well, but I don't uh, there's I think a reason there's a why the Knicks, chance the Knicks won't ever get the pick is why I say that. Right. Well, right. Well, the, that's true. But the Knicks, there's a reason why the Knicks sent their own first round pick for Josh Hart and all their portfolio picks. Right. Hey, the, are um, the Knicks going to get that Mavs pick ever? Topped and protected again next year. <laughs> I I would just expect them to get it next words. year, but it's a good point. Them's fighting words. Um, yeah, the Knicks have like twelve tradable first round picks, and um, they don't have a pick in this year's draft. Okay. Um, to me, to me, the overall point though is that this is not outside of Miami, which is a, a makes sense on a lot of levels. I don't see an obvious second team. Yeah, and that's why if I'm the Washington Wizards. I am really rooting for the Portland Trailblazers to do something with the third pick besides draft a young player. Because I think Damian Lillard also, if we'll get to him, there's one place that it makes sense from an asset and fit standpoint, at least somewhat to get a deal done. And there's one place for Bradley Beal. And it's sort of hard to find a second for both of them. And it's going to be a second. Dame, Dame likes Brooklyn. He's made that very clear. Well, all right. So it, let me just real quick. Um, there's been some discussion about Philadelphia. Um, there's a relationship there between Beal and Embiid. The Philadelphia thing, first off, Philadelphia can't do anything until they know what Harden's going to do. Maybe they do and they're not saying, I don't know what the answer is. So um, secondly, um, swallowing $47 million, even if Harden leaves, is not simple. They would have to send back Tobias quality- Harris. Tobias Harris is probably what they'd have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Unless you're talking they, about, again, some crazy complicated James Harden right. gets signed and traded elsewhere. Then there's a salary exception. Then you take in Beal again. Hey, if I anybody pulls off crazy complicated, it's Daryl Morey. True. You're right. True. I'm not going to rule Philadelphia out, but I mm-hmm. until I see what happens with Harden, I'm not sure that they're in position to do anything. Well, they can't actually – it's going to be very almost impossible for them to actually do it until July. But they're on the board, but I don't think it's at the center of the board. Nostra Perks um, got hard on the Lakers. Yes, I saw that. I asked if I could pour liquid nitrogen over that take uh, today on television. Um, <laughs> what were you told? Uh, well, I mean, we've got Jay Williams saying that Beal should get traded to the Warriors. <laughs> The Warriors are facing a $400 million payroll and the every single rule is made to crush them. Don't like him to say he doesn't care, though. The no, hell with the sure. rules. We win. What did he say? This team yeah. wins. Yeah, okay. Uh, okay. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. 
Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Zion Williamson. It's surprising to me how out there it is in the league that the mm-hmm. Pelicans are discussing Zion business. I want to be very careful about the word offer because that word is a dangerous word. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that the Pelicans have offered Zion to anybody, but every day that passes for the last five or six days, I hear a different discussion that the Pelicans have had that implies that they're going to make Zion available mm-hmm. and that him or Brandon Ingram. And I mean, I wouldn't rule out anything, I guess, but the events of the last six months with Zion are, are what they are really over the course of his career. Like, yeah. You know, 28 games a season, 28 games. a season. And when he's on the floor, he's spectacular, but he ain't on the floor very often. I'm and very wary. The there's, there's baggage. We're in, we're entering into this time when there's so much misdirection and smoke screens. Mm-hmm. I am very wary of being made a, a, a tool or a fool. And it happens mm-hmm. to the best of us. <clears throat> it will probably happen to be in the next week. So I'm very wary, but it is extraordinarily out there about how much the Pelicans are interested in Scoot Henderson to the point where I'm like, how is this out there so hard? Right. Unless they, unless the, the Pelicans want it out there. So I'm nervous about even <clears throat> giving that attention, but it is there. And Sh- Charlotte and, and Portland both have fascinating decisions. Charlotte has maybe the biggest decision in the draft between uh, Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson, and they're working very hard on it. Different people are telling, are speculating different things every day that I talk to. Um, mm-hmm. Jonathan Gavoni in his mock that came out on uh, Tuesday had Miller there, but I got people in the league thinking it's going to be Henderson and which is probably the way Charlotte wants it. Charlotte recently dispatched a whole bunch of people to Tuscaloosa to investigate and vet the situation with Brandon Miller. They had Scoot Henderson in and Brandon Miller in, um, in the last few days. I think I heard they're going to bring them both back in again for Jordan, Michael Jordan. There's also the fact that the Jordan is in negotiations to sell the team. Um, to one of the limited partners, Gabe Plotkin and a group. And I think there's a decent chance that's going to get done, but I don't know if it's going to get done in time to who makes a decision on the draft pick. And so that's a whole thing that everybody's trying to figure out. And you got New Orleans there. And then you got Portland, who is actively trying to trade the number three pick to support Dame Lillard. And I mean actively, like they are in this. I don't know if they're going to get something done. So there's a really uncertainty that happens at two and three. If you ask me, I suspect that there's not going to be a trade and Charlotte will pick two and the Blazers will have to pick three. But the Zion thing is there. And at, at the very least, it is very clear <clears throat> that the Pelicans thought on Zion Williamson's future with the team is evolving. That's right. me putting it mildly. And if you look at that, like, so our, our editors, we're going to have like one of these fake trade or trade proposal type of, of, of pieces. They asked me to put one together. And so I ended up doing the Charlotte one. And I'm looking at this. And, you know, Gordon Hayward, expiring contract, that salary matches. But I'm like, dude, Zion for the number two overall pick, essentially Zion for Scoot. Like, I've got to throw in an extra pick from the Pelicans here, don't I? And honestly, if I'm Charlotte, I'm saying, sure, we'll we'll swap picks with you in this draft and then do that. If I'm New Orleans, I'm like, no, 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 here's, here's Milwaukee's 2025. But I think Zion's value is is taken on enough water to where this guy who 
when he's drafted, you're thinking he's the next generational superstar. I don't think you can trade him essentially straight up for a, a number two overall pick right now. It's also a reminder as we're a week away from the draft that while I think Victor Wembanyama is going to be a tremendous player, four years ago we were talking about Zion Williamson being the guy that was going to be mm-hmm. the face of the league for the next decade, right? Just to say that we have no idea how these things are going to play out over time. And we're now four years into Zion's career. He's played 114 games and we're talking about him potentially being traded elsewhere. But I mean, to your point, McMahon, it, it is a very complicated thing to try to suss out what his value is because when he does play, he's really damn good, but he doesn't play very often. There's obviously going to be injury questions about him going forward based off how little he's played. And frankly, if you're looking at it as another team and New Orleans is looking to trade this guy right now, then you, I think, very rationally have to look at it and say, well, are they doing this because they think that this is only going to stay in the same place going forward where he's only going to be able to play a handful of games a year and not be available, setting aside everything else. So low minutes is tough. Joel Embiid played 94 games this first four years, too. I don't think that's a very comparable situation. I he agree it's not comparable, in, but it's missed. a reminder. It's a reminder that four years doesn't yeah. make a career. No, and it, I think but, it is. I think there is some comps there because Embiid also early in his career had weight and conditioning concerns. That, so, look, Zion, the concerns are obvious, but I agree with Wendy in that you can't just say, well, this is the way it's always going to be. I, I don't think you can say there's no hope. But the other concerns with Zion is there's a lot of, like, there's just too much drama and maintenance that comes along. Well, with there's it. no relationship between Zion and the organization and minimal relationship between Zion and his teammates, from what I understand. Which and is, so a, that's, that's bothersome. That's, that's worrisome if you're going to pull out of this. But I will say this, Zion thrived at Duke and he only got hurt because the shoe broke. And if you're looking for a pathway, you say, well, let's let's go see what worked at Duke and see if we can replicate that. And, you know, maybe it's making them go to class <laughs> because, you know, I mean, I'm joking, but I'm only half joking. Maybe it's making him actually work with with the team's player development staff and, and you know, somehow convincing uh, a, a stepfather that the professionals can take it from here. All right. So monitor that. I don't know if he's going to get traded. I do know that he's he's in discussions. That's best I can say. Uh, before we go, let's talk about Dame Lillard. One of the things I want to talk about is the heat concept that maybe that Lillard, if he's not, you know, I don't like the word satisfied because it makes it sound like, you know, he's, I don't like the way it sounds, but if he doesn't like the outlook of the Blazers improvement through the draft and free agency, that he may revisit his position as of now. And again, as of now, afternoon on Thursday, I don't, I have, I have the only indications I have are that the Blazers are trying to trade pieces for, to support Dame mm-hmm. and that Dame is totally committed to them. We can revisit this in an hour, a week, a month, five months. I don't know. Um, but that's what they're looking for. Now the Miami heat, in my view, Dame is a better fit for the heat than yeah. Beal is. And if well, Dame course. becomes available, if Dame becomes available in two weeks, then the heat, I think would be better off going for Dame, but I'm going to tell you that right. I don't think the heat can win a bidding war for Dame Lillard. Well, no. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that because again, I'm not sure there are a ton of obvious fits for Dame in a trade. I think, again, we're talking about a massive contract. We're talking about a guy in his mid thirties guys, a tremendous Super player, man. but is this, but is a small guard, and there's a lot of concerns about that. So you have 33. all those factors. <clears throat> 33 years old. You have all those factors. But to me, this goes back to our mantra on the pod, which is actions over words. And let's see where this thing sits a week from now when Portland's on the clock with the third pick. And either Portland is going to make a trade with that pick and get help for Dame. Or if they don't, the questions are immediately going to come about what's happening now. Because what I don't think they can do is middle this and draft Scoot Henderson and have Damon Scoot and, or Brandon Miller and have Damon Brandon Miller and Shaden Sharp and Anthony. Simons I mean, Scoot Henderson doesn't work at all with what they've got on their roster. <laughs> well, either way, but either way, it doesn't matter. Name the young right. player. The point is, right. I don't think them just going in perpetuity with young players and Dame is going to be acceptable for everybody involved 
for an indefinite period of time. So it feels like one way or another, we're at a crossroads. And just like the Wizards became at a crossroads because they hired a new GM, feels like this moment right here for Portland is where the crossroads are reached. And then we see what direction they choose to go. Yeah, we'll have to see how, um, we'll have to see. I mean, Portland is trying some pretty aggressive moves from what I've been able to glean. I have no idea how accurate everything is, but they are swinging. And the thing about it is, is that they're actually primed to rebuild. Like <clears throat> they had, they had the eighth pick last year, Shaden Sharp. I think he was the eighth pick. Seven. Got the third. Was he 10th? Seven. Oh, seven. seven. This year they have the three pick. You know, if they wanted to, like they're primed, they could get a haul for Dame, whatever it is, and they could have two lottery picks to rebuild around. But that is not the direction that they're going at all. They are, that is not the intel that I'm having at all. That's, if, that's, if that's being considered, it's not being discussed outside the family. Well, let's, let's see where it's at in a week. Like you said, this is a, I think this is a definitional actions over words situation. Let's see what the action is. His words have been pretty clear. It was clear on the exit interview, and it was clear when uh, he was on with Brian Custer. I forget the exact name of the, 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 the pod or the program. And, you know, he's asked, what do you think about potential trade destinations? And he threw Miami and Brooklyn out there very enthusiastically. Well, to be to be slightly fair to Dame, Brian threw out four teams and he picked two of them. But but, Lillard is is a an NBA veteran. A hundred percent savvy with the media as anybody. And if he just wanted to say, hey, 10 toes down in Portland, you can throw out all the teams. League. I don't want to talk about it. He he's, been, he's been going on a media tour all summer talking around the idea of being traded. Mm-hmm. So again, I think this comes down to next Thursday and whether there's a player or players on the board that Portland can get that they feel good about. If they could do that, then I think everybody will be happy in Portland. Damon, whoever they get, they'll have them in Portland and we'll see what happens. But if they end up drafting a player and they keep them, you know, there's a very obvious question that then comes next, which is That's what happens it. now. Especially if that player is a point guard. Yeah. You know, and then you're talking about the, their young core is a point guard, a small two guard, and and kind of a, I'll say sharps, a two, three. Well, they don't really, yeah, one of the big issues is they can't defend and they don't have great size. So, Hugh Henderson might end up being an MVP, but he isn't known for his size isn't there with Dave. So, um, I we're going to have some more podcasts before the draft, but I'm just going to tell you guys, like, Maybe my memory is fading, which is possible. I'm in my mid-40s. I don't remember there being this much potential picks in the top 10 openly available. I haven't heard Charlotte's interested in trade. We know that Portland is interested in trade. There's Obviously, Houston has been out there. Detroit has been out there. The Magic have the 6th and 11th picks. They want to package and move up if they can. I doubt they'll be able to, but they're interested. Indiana has been talking about people about the 7th the pick. Uh, I've been told they've been trying to get wing players. They've been trying to... Uh, move out of the seventh pick to get a high-level wing player now, which, frankly, they might be able to if they're motivated enough. Uh, Washington is at eight. We just talked about how we have no idea really Washington's going to do. Um, Utah is at nine. <clears throat> I feel like they'll they'll keep and draft. That's that's the only uh, that's the only one that I don't really have any uh, any, I, any I'm action. Not sure. I'm not sure because Utah's at nine, I believe, sixteen and twenty-eight. I could see. I think Utah is going to explore every opportunity. Plus, they have cap space, which you know can make trading a lot easier. Um, I think Utah is going to explore a lot of different things. They might just stay pat, but I think they'll they'll figure out what their options are moving up or moving down. Yeah, I think the bid the bidding more to move up is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, know, you know. And we but, know you know. Dallas. And we know Dallas is doing stuff at ten. We're trying yeah, Dallas, Dallas at ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know they're active, trying to help that roster now. You got Orlando at 11. I just said six and 11 at 12. You got Oklahoma city, you know, Oklahoma city wants to move up. They got to do something with these picks. Uh, if they can move up, they can last year. You remember Oklahoma city traded for an extra lottery pick. So, you know, you know, Oklahoma sniffing around 14 is new Orleans. What do we start with that? So my instinct actually tells me that almost nothing happens. Like, you know, there will at least there will probably at least one pick go, but there's so much competition for it. And so much is muddled and there's so much difficulty hashing it all out. We'll talk about how it's going to be a crazy lottery and then everybody picks. Mm-hmm. That's my, that's what I've seen in the past when there's been talk about more than one pick, but it's very active and we'll be talking about it and there'll be obviously developments 
um, in the coming days. So thank you to Bogdan. Thank you to Jackson and Bruce, our producers. Thank you to Mr. Bontemps and Mr. McMahon. Thank you for listening to Podcast. Adios, amigos.